welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with the unpopular opinion that progressive centre-left politics has a lot to offer the modern world. The newly elected Labour Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, announced last week that she's pregnant and her husband will be a stay-at-home dad. In the UK, Labour's Darren Jones recently brought in his newborn child into work. He's here with us today to discuss parenthood, politics and parliament. I'm Connor Pope, and as usual, I'll be discussing all of that with Progress Chair Alison McGovern and Director Richard Angel. Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson proposed a bridge over the English Channel connecting Britain to France, despite the stretch of sea being a busy shipping route. So, without thinking through the plausibility of the details, what ridiculous infrastructure scheme would you like to spend billions of pounds on? Alison, can I come to you first? Yeah, of course. I mean, we'd all love a bridge, wouldn't we? I'd like a bridge from my house, where I live, (laughs) on the Wirral side of the Mersey, to the city centre in Liverpool. And then I could walk across in the morning and not have to, you know, get the train. I've been to your house. That wouldn't even be an enormous bridge, I don't know. No, think. That, like, that, that sounds perfectly Much pleased. less ridiculous. <laughs> Do ships Boris. go through it? Is this one of the things that Boris might not have considered? Yes, uh, ships go through both down, go down both the Mersey and the Channel. Yeah. It is completely ridiculous. But what is really annoying, and look, here are even we talking about it, is that Boris Johnson properly knows when he says these things that he's just making people go, ooh, you can't do that. But look... Everybody's talking about Boris Johnson yet again. I mean, this man is a joke. He's trashed our diplomacy with our European partners just at the, at the moment when we needed it. He did precisely what when he was mayor of London, but yet here we are all still talking about him. It is crazy. Well, he did that other great infrastructure pro- project, the cable cars yeah. over the Thames. Do you know how many people commute to work on the cable car every day? It's a mass part of London's infrastructure. Go on. Six. <laughs> Six people use it as a commuter area. And, and what, Isn't that amazing? And wasn't hit the Garden Bridge him, wasn't hit? Yeah. Don't yeah. slag off the Garden Bridge. It would have been amazing. London needs a Garden Bridge. <laughs> no, no. This is what no, makes um, capital cities no, amazing. No, These people no, who live in Zone no. 1 are like, oh, stop the noise. Why are you being out late? No. It's like, why do we have stuff near me? You choose to live in the densest yeah, place not... in the world and then you want some culture around you. Yeah, but that's not... That doesn't mean you need a garden bridge. That means you need a theatre. I think the South Bank has a number of theatres. It does. It does. Anyway, no more infrastructure for London. Thanks very much. Infrastructure for elsewhere. Darren, stop us fighting. Darren, Bristol's by the water. Surely they need a bridge somewhere for some reason. We have at least three bridges already, <laughs> and we're very fond of them. Um, uh, but this this chat is very London centric. So we uh, actually, I think Alison's bridge uh, doesn't quite add up to a few billion pounds, whereas one from Bristol to London to save me driving on the M25 yeah. every week might <laughs> that, uh, that that uh, would be a few do, billion pounds might do. But I've said well, a, few a week- road on stilts that goes over the top of Swindon, <laughs> an, over, an overpass, yeah. exactly. like a very Swindon, very long extension of the Westway. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but with limited traffic. From other people using it, <laughs> <laughs> ideally. Only on members can try on it. Can you imagine that? Exactly, exactly. That would be so popular, I'm sure. Richard, we were talking about the Channel Bridge earlier. Someone was telling us that to get to the height that you would need... The, to let the, kind the ships of, under. Yeah, the run-up would have to be fantastic. It was From Ashford in England through to Boulogne on the other side. Yeah, yeah so it wouldn't be a particularly useful or functional 
No, of course not. I mean, if, you, if your commute was Ashford to Boulogne, it'd be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point is, is this is not a functional or useful suggestion from Boris Johnson. This is a, a function and a use for Boris Johnson, which is being talked about, being on the telly and generally being a personality. Although I offered up a solution to the large run-up problem in the office earlier. <laughs> I was laughed at for being a non-driver. But in multi-storey car parks, you know, they've got like the helter-skelter thing. Yeah. That, why, why not just use one of them? Is that not plausible? You just have a really big one. Can you imagine getting a truck up that? I'm like, I had to do one in a micro. No, I literally, literally can't like scraping the sides. They're the most stressful thing to drive on as it is. Let alone when you go the other side and you're on the wrong side of the road yeah. and have to go the other way down the helter-skelter. I just, I, just could... think, I just think we need a bit of ambition. Yes, yeah, that is a lack of ambition on that. Anyway, we'll leave that chat there, but do stick with us just after this message. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. So, Richard, I've heard a rumor that if people like the Progressive Bitten podcast, there's something that they can do to help us out. There is, Alison. Oh. People can subscribe themselves. They can rate our podcast wow. on iTunes and they can leave a review. And that means that it not just gets to the audience that's already listening to the Progressive Britain podcast, but gets to other audiences. And Connor and I do a review show that comes out every Friday where we pick not just the best review, but the people who are engaging most with the podcast who leave their review that we give out a book, sometimes a mug to the people who be engaging most. So we're keen to hear and make this a two-way conversation. So it's not just about audience participation. There's fancy gifts too. What more could you Amazing. want? Amazing. Jacinda Ardern became one of the world's youngest leaders when she became Prime Minister of New Zealand in October last year at the age of just 37. Now she's revealed she's expecting her first child this summer, something largely welcomed, although Mail on Sunday columnist Liz Jones said it was a betrayal of the voters. Boo, shame on her. (laughs) Both Alison and Darren are politicians with young children, so hopefully we can shine a bitter light on what Ardern should be ready to expect. Darren, you actually brought your baby daughter into Parliament last week, didn't you? I did. Well, actually, my wife did, who came over on a Tuesday evening just to say hello, really. I think she was <laughs> stuck in the house all day with Ophelia. <laughs> and I was looking after her for a bit. And, you know, there was a vote. So I, I took her with me. Oh, brilliant. And she's very, she's only a few weeks old. Seven uh, weeks old. Yeah. She's and, tiny. So it was, she's very, very cute. <laughs> I have to say, Darren was in the lobby 
And all of the MPs were like cooing over her because she's so, she's like a little button. She's so cute <laughs> yeah. and tiny. And what, so what generally was the kind of reaction to a baby being in Parliament? Well, I mean, the, the reaction in the actual voting lobby, uh, as Alison said, everyone was just going baby crazy, which was very sweet. Although I apologise to everyone because Ophelia slept through the whole thing. So actually didn't interact with anybody at all. <laughs> but she was thrilled, much as I was, to vote against the third reading of the EU withdrawal bill. <laughs> hey. uh, although, although A seven-week-old Ramona exactly. is their future we're yeah. fighting for. Exactly. I, I did ask, but her vote didn't didn't count, I'm afraid. But um, And then I introduced her to the speaker, who I think is fond of babies he was pretty cooey uh, and then we walked through the house of commons just to get through to the other side really and then it was captured on parliament tv oh, brilliant with a baby in my arms uh, and it was interesting i mean I, people responded on social media everyone was generally lovely but some people interestingly were a bit negative about it and they were kind of like really that's desperate why are you taking your child to work <laughs> and i was like well i'm not making her write a speech for me i mean <laughs> I'm looking after her. I'm a dad. You know, we vote later on a night and exactly. it should be perfectly normal. Exactly. And that's actually, I think, the point that perhaps people miss is that we're at work all day and then we vote at night. And and like without going into the whys and wheres and rights and wrongs of all of that, that is a situation. And actually sometimes, like as Darren's just explained, sometimes if you've got your little one with you, it's just as easy just to take them with you through the lobby. When my girl was that young and I was elected, we weren't really allowed to do it. So she used to be in her buggy in the whip's office and would cry more or less, depending on the skills of the MP who (laughs) had to monitor her. But actually, it's much, 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 much better to be able to just like carry them through because they're quite portable until they, you know, they are until they get to sort of one-ish. You know, you can sort of scoop them up and take them anywhere and it's better for them just to be with you. So has there been a rule change around that or is there no rules really and it's just about the culture? Well, so there was no real rule against it, but nobody did. And then I can't quite remember who the first person was, but sort of about three or four years ago, there was a process by which everyone agreed that it would just be better if parents with very small children were just able to bring them through. Mm. And now, I mean, now it's common you know johnny reynolds has had his little lad in there last week too i seem seem to remember cole turner Turner oh yes and harry took a picture in the chamber and got told off for that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and she called estelle i think carl's girl which is you know i just think it's nice and the difference that it makes i think when you are a parent and you're just trying to do your best by your kid and make sure that they're with you as much as possible is quite big and it broadly I think makes people as they're voting if anything behave slightly better (laughs) they have this like civilizing influence I think on politics that says something when MPs behave better because babies are setting the tone (laughs) (laughs) and it does seem to be that the current speaker has changed this kind of sense of status quo about it and I mean, Speaker Martin was not progressive on these issues when Michael Martin was sitting in the chair. I remember I was working for a Labour MP then and one of the women MPs had been was on maternity leave but had come back in because a very big issue had happened in her constituency. And me and John Mann were, were babysitting for this very little gorgeous baby. But that MP had written to the Speaker saying, I'm coming back off my maternity leave to speak in this debate, which is of vital importance to my constituency. I'd obviously appreciate it if I could leave the baby who I am nursing, you know, for the smallest amount of time. And he picked her last in the debate as a kind of 
poignant point, basically, that somehow she was not doing her job because she was procreating. And it was really, there was that strong culture till very, very recently. And people like Harriet Harman, who like led the way on this stuff, have really kind of with their elbows. And then the people who come behind them. And what it seems nice is the dads are reinforcing it. I mean, the three examples you just used were... Johnny, yourself, Darren, and Carl Turner have also been doing that recently. So it feels like the culture has switched. I think the culture has changed. I think John Burko has made a difference. Mm. I mean, Darren, you're sort of relatively recently elected. So thankfully, you'll never know what it was like before. But I think that people forcing the issue has now made a difference such that we can't even remember the reasons. I I can't even remember the reasons why. We didn't do it long before, really. So, As if somehow the clerks would be like, oh, that's two votes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the kangaroo and the joey. We'll count yeah. both of those. It's like, no, the, come on. And actually, the clerks are fine. But I think the big things that people also probably don't see or think about, you know, people will have seen you on the telly snuggling your darling girl as you walk through. But the nursery has obviously made a massive difference mm-hmm. as well, yeah. having a nursery that MPs can use. And he did force that through as well, didn't he? Yes, it was very unpopular. And now, you know, I think there might be some... The waiting list is huge, isn't it? Yeah, so it's very popular. They do a great job. And now, again, people can't even remember the reason we didn't have a nursery for all of those. And how how long has the nursery been there? It's not been very long, has it? No, 2010. So Mm -hmm. it was like brand new when I was elected. And did it replace a bar? Is that part of the... Yeah, um... they took out Bellamy's bar to put in a nursery. Now, I think we should continue with this and sort of come up with like lots of different plans for what we would like to do with all of the different bars. (laughs) Like, you know, can we turn strangers into an art gallery or something? I don't know. I'm joking. But, you know, like, I'm joking, Sky News, Daily Mail, Daily (laughs) Express. But the point is, I mean, who you have to be long in the tooth to remember that it was a bar and not a nursery. So it just goes to show when you make progressive change, it can seem totally impossible until it's done. And then it seems completely obvious. And I had no idea it was a bar before it was a day nursery. So that goes to show that that's, that's very much the, the case. And actually, I know a number of people who used to work in Parliament who have really good relationships with the children of the MPs that they worked for because so much of their job actually ended up becoming kind of part-time babysitter or whatever. And these children like you know, of of MPs from the 90s and 2000s who now kind of know everyone who works in sports and social or in the strangers bar basically by first name (laughs) because it was part of the environment in which they had to grow up. I know someone who was a staffer throughout the 80s and 90s who um, turned 60 the other week and actually one of the biggest presents they got was from the child of an MP that they worked for who's put a year into sorting out this uh, this birthday present for them because they became such a kind of like formative you know oh, uh, pers- person in their lives but um, possibly not really their job to be <laughs> yeah. kind of yeah. the uh, so I, I certainly didn't put it in any of my staff's uh, <laughs> job descriptions uh, a few months ago. Do you think it's important symbol for people who want to come into politics to see you as active parents? It's probably important to see it, but, you know, I, a lot of people uh, have rung me, like I'm, my daughter's six now, and uh, in the time that she's been on the scene, I have always been a politician and a full-time one of that. And I've had a lot of phone calls from people saying, can I just talk to you about being a parent in politics? Because I really want to stand, but I just really don't know if it's possible to do that when you've got kids. And my view is that is the complete wrong question. It's not a question for parents, whether or not it's possible to be a parent and be into politics. 
it's a question for politics about whether we want parents to be involved. And once you think about it that way around, it's like, well, obviously we do, because, you know, it, this is our progressive principle, right? That our democracy just functions better if everyone is involved and diverse groups of people take better decisions. So why would you have a system that naturally excluded people at a stage in their life that's really, really important for a lot of people in the country. So if politics is excluding parents, then it is politics that needs to change. But this is also an issue, not just in politics, it's an issue in the wider economy as well. You know, I was a lawyer, I was an MP, and it was the same issue in the law. Uh, and I'd like to see Parliament setting the tone nationally for workplaces being family friendly that allow parents to succeed and to do well and get promoted just because you've got kids doesn't mean that you shouldn't get promoted that parenting isn't a gender issue that dads get their shared paternity leave when they apply for it lots of dads don't get that even though the law entitles them to um, and that actually we can create an economy where going to work uh, and driving our economic growth as a country fits around having families I think it's only 15 years this year since paternity leave legislation was first mm. passed. I was looking this up earlier. I think Yvette Cooper in 2001 was the first minister ever to take maternity leave in this country. And that was a year after Tony Blair as prime minister had taken two weeks off following weeks, um, the birth of Leo. But obviously that had to be taken as holiday, which seems like a remarkable thing that the prime minister can't yeah. even kind of take time off to spend time with a newborn child. Do you think that... Well, so is that right? So Tony Blair's two weeks paternity leave was actually taken as... It was a paternity holiday. But he took it as holiday because yeah. it was pre the legislation coming in. Um, yeah, so I think 2003 was when paternity leave was Amazing. Uh, but do you think, in fact, Yvette Cooper has written a really good piece about this in The Guardian this week on the back of uh, the Jacinda Ardern story. Do you think actually it's important to see politicians doing that and taking time off and does it kind of set a, a, a wider does it set an example for, for how workplaces perhaps should work I think so and that has always been the argument from some of my colleagues who have been in parliament for many many years who were involved in pushing for the nursery men and women I must say that parliament in some sense has to be like it, it's never going to be a model workplace far from it but it has to think about how it sort of sets the tone and that's why we have a kind of workplace nursery because the argument is well you know it's what probably good employers will think about trying to help their staff have access to I think in terms of the paternity leave maternity leave and also like flexible working I think that what people often don't see is that for more junior staff coming into a workplace whether or not they're able to access those kind of arrangements that might help their family out whether or not they feel able to, will be according to the tone that's set by the senior people. And that if the director of a company is always permanently at their desk until nine o'clock at night, then other people will feel they have to. So no doubt when Tony Blair did take two weeks after his son was born, no doubt that you know did make people think a little bit. I'm sure that Yvette changed the tone and the culture. Yeah. And she had you know, I know she's talked before about the kind of struggles and battles she had to be able to take the maternity leave as a minister in the first place. And I know from other people who had kids who were ministers during that period, like it, the civil service wasn't always easy or encouraging. I think they would be a lot more encouraging now. But, you know, back in the kind of 90s and early 2000s, the culture was still different. So I do think I do think what people at the top end of the labour market does matters, I think. Clearly, Parliament isn't a, an ideal workplace. You can't even record a podcast without bells going off all the time. <laughs> but um, 
Harriet Harman has called for six-month baby leave for mums and dads in Parliament, including proxy votes and extra constituency help. Darren, I know this is something that you've spoken about in terms of uh, reforming how Parliament votes and stuff like that. Do you think that is the the right way to go? What do you think of these proposals? Yeah, I think so. And I think, again, it's about setting the right tone for what we think is the right thing to do in Britain in a modern developed economy. Uh, and certainly in, in my previous jobs, there have been good and bad examples. And the good examples have been where senior leaders have you know, said, I've got to leave at four today because I've got to pick up the kids. So we'll have that meeting tomorrow. Or they take Friday afternoons off and work flexi time because they want to spend some time with their kids. And it sets a tone of normality for people where they mm. think that actually is perfectly right. And it is right to do. And I, I mean, I took two weeks of paternity leave which as a, you know, as a backbencher MP is pretty easy to do because you can just clear your diary apart from votes. And there were some key Brexit votes, which obviously I wanted to make sure I was here for. I have to say my constituents were very supportive. We put it in the local news and on the website and everything else. Obviously, my staff were still around um, and people thought it was a very positive and the right thing to do. And actually really appreciated it when they saw that I turned up for some of those crunch votes. But equally, I was a bit cross with the whips on certain occasions because they asked me to come in for three line whips on things like the finance bill, which clearly we weren't going to win. And I was still asked to be here. I think that's a shame. So there's clearly some more work to be done. What what would be the process for actually reforming Parliament to make it better at this kind of stuff? What are the chances of it happening? Obviously, the Speaker, John Burko, seems to be pretty good on a lot of this kind of stuff. But like, how can you change it? So Harriet's proposal is basically allowing a kind of proxy vote so that if somebody's on baby leave, that they their vote can be recorded because it can be delivered by um, a proxy. And there's all kinds of other things that she thinks should change just to help the system along a bit. But essentially, it would mean that this this point about if there is a crunch vote, you kind of have to come in despite it would be dealt with. And I think that she's got a point there. In a Labour Party context, this is like very bubbled inside the bubble chat. But when we have votes in the parliamentary Labour Party, for example, you can nominate a proxy. So if there's an important vote for, like, say, chair of a select committee or something like that, and one of our colleagues was on maternity or paternity leave, they could just nominate a proxy and that person. This proxy would be another MP. Uh, yes, it? sorry, excuse me. It would be another MP. Now, there are, there is clearly some like constitutional issues, you know, just in the sense of only the person who's elected to represent a constituency can represent yeah, that constituency. Course. You know, and it would need to be recorded in in the right way. But but like what happens at the moment is if say if somebody really, really needed to not kind of vote, the whips have an arrangement called nodding through where they the, the whips can agree between themselves that if, if somebody's really, really not able to come in, that they can sort of be like basically like driven through the yard and the whips will like nod them through. But that's it's far from ideal. And, that, you know, the whips don't want to be doing that really because it tends to be reserved for people who are really, really not that well. It's not a regular thing that somebody c- could just, that they could just do all the time if people are on maternity leave. So I think it's right that we question it and we look at what Harriet's suggesting if you take that printable, because it was kind of made famous in the James Graham play, yeah. this house, wasn't it, that the, the MP from Batley had come down in the ambulance and you send out a whip from each side. You kind of go and check that yeah. he's alive and their intention to vote. Why can't you just call in and have a whip? You have a Tory whip and a Labour whip on the phone. I am Alison McGovern. I would like, well, you know, just, for that just, period of time or... Well, I think the, the point is that we need a slightly more formalised way of doing it for maternity leave and paternity leave. Because 
we have we have an informal kind of it's, it's a very british arrangement the one that's just become sort of you know it's all a bit heath robinson we just sort of like figured it out over time and it's become a convention that it's allowed right. rather than you know a particularly formalized part of the rules but i think what harriet's trying to do is to find a better way forward and i strongly suspect that as with much of what Harriet Harman has suggested down the years, we will have a lot of discussion and debate about it. Then at some point it will happen and then nobody will remember the reasons why we didn't do it long ago. <laughs> um, Can I ask Darren quickly, do you think the whips would have had the same approach if you're a woman on maternity leave calling you in for some of those things? So if you've only got two weeks off as a man, being called in a couple of times, that's quite a big deal that that happened. That's a big proportion of your two weeks of paternity leave. Especially and- without the overpass from Bristol to London. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, look, luckily, because Ophelia came early, she ended up being delivered in London. Um, so she ended up being a Hackney-registered baby, not a Bristol-registered <laughs> baby. Um, so, uh, you know, we were all in London anyway. So... It- to be fair, it wasn't, you know, too much of a bother coming along to vote and going back again. But as I say, you know, there's a point to paternity leave. It's mm. to be at home, to look after your new baby and your wife that's just gone through, you know, giving birth to someone. You can't, like, do that in a half ass kind of way. Yeah. Am I allowed to say that on podcasts? Yeah. Completely. half okay. ass okay. okay, fine, fine. Um, I uh, mean, we never are half ass but you can definitely <laughs> say that. <laughs> um, and, you, and, you know, the reason I took it and the reason I care so much about these issues is because parenting shouldn't be a gender issue. Uh, and in my mind, that means that I'm able to be around in the same way that my wife is to look after our children. Now, would the whips have managed me in a slightly different way if I was a woman? I mean, I don't know. My, my sense is maybe they would have done, actually. I mean, they knew I was here in London, so maybe that, you know, made it more reasonable for them to ask. But, you know, as I say, when I was asked to come in for an opposition day motion three-line whip, when I was asked to come in for a finance bill three-line whip, when we knew we weren't going to win any of those, I mean, the government didn't even turn up for opposition day motions. Kind of been like, really? I mean, come on, guys. Um, and do you think that Parliament should make available a fund so that you can have an additional capacity during the time of your maternity leave because that seems to me to be a basic that we should so, do so i actually did have this but not it not because i was um as of right entitled to it but because i uh, there's a particular bit of ipsa you know you can have sorry the independent parliamentary authority that deals with the costs of mps uh like their running costs and their staff and i kind of basically applied for a bit of extra cash for the period that I would be on maternity leave so that the head of my office could step up and do more kind of on my behalf and then we could have somebody backfilling Mm. to support them a bit. It wasn't a huge amount of money and it wasn't for a long time, but it did make a bit of a difference. And I think that sort of thing, I think probably makes sense. But in the end... That should be formalised, shouldn't it? Yes, I think think that should be formalised. Because why did you ask and then what if somebody... Exactly, and what if if somebody else didn't know? And also, I think most a lot of the problems that we kind of wrestle with is because there isn't really a formal process. I mean, when I was in the early days of, of being pregnant and I sort of started telling people and we were in... We'd just gone into opposition and I think that some in the whip's office were slightly demob happy after the kind of pressure days of of being in government and one of the senior whips just said to me like well listen love congratulations dead please for you well done i hope it all goes well you just you know when you want to be off be off when you want to come in <laughs> come in <laughs> so, I, so so i was like right thinking is there not a form? Is there not, yeah. you know, is there not a process? And I think that, Richard, is the problem. But that discretion does make it all your responsibility. There should be a process. Yeah. And and then some of the things that Darren, you know, has mentioned could be ironed out, like about whether or not, you know, we're getting people to come back in for votes. 
and it's necessary. And actually, in the end, probably the bigger solution of Harriet's, which is some sort of proxy. Is probably also, there's a party to. end to this as well that we don't seem to consider. So like, I know somebody who's going for selection right now. And one of the things the local members don't like is that the predecessor Labour MP had children while... You know, deigned to have children while she was an MP and therefore nobody did GC reports for six months because she wasn't going to Parliament so had nothing to say and it's mm. like if just the basic level of support to live our equality is that somebody sorts out for another, the neighbouring MP to go and do the GC report yeah. or whatever like, but nobody we don't think about it on that level and that but that is all part of because that I mean if, if they think that now and they're saying that now they were clearly having some of those behaviours when that one was the MP. That's pretty yeah, appalling. I, I'm sure, and you will always find people who do that. And I'm sure that there's still people who go for selection now who, if they've got kids, get asked, well, who will look after your children? Or, you know, people get asked that sort of thing all the time, I'm sure. You're right, Richard. We need to iron out all of these uh, problems. And like in so much else in life, we should just do what Harriet says. <laughs> <laughs> so final question on this. Outside of Parliament, because although you two both became parents... In Parliament, obviously, most people don't. What can be done to help new parents in the workplace? Like, what legislation could we see over the next, you know, five years or something that, that might actually change people's lives in that regard? I'm a godfather, which I'm very proud of. And the older of the two children, I'm, I'm godfather the younger, but the older of the two was very premature. And his mum has become a campaigner for the parents of premature kids. A lovely woman called Kat Ogilvie, who writes a occasionally for us and uh, but is running this cross-party campaign that various different MPs have been supporting and what she is trying to argue is that you basically get extra maternity leave if your baby is very early because the maternity leave starts the day your baby is or the day after your baby is born regardless but for her she was kind of unable to have her baby at home for a month so she spent a lot of time going back and forth from the hospital but it was this kind of limbo and in reality she lost essentially a month of a month of maternity leave and but and that was important time to spend with the baby, and it was kind of worse of both worlds. It was really stressful. She couldn't work, but she couldn't really be parenting. So she's been trying to campaign for a change in the law, which uh, I think the Croydon MPs, because she's a Croydon resident, are all working on as a kind of cross-party basis, which is great. But the Labour Council in Waltham Forest are piloting this and have changed their policy. So if one of their employees has a a, a premature baby, you go off and you get that added to your maternity leave and that has been a hopefully be a really positive way of managing people through that obviously it's an exceptional circumstance uh, but a really nice and generous act from an employer to aid people through into parenting yeah because a lot of employers in that situation would you know you would hope that a lot of people would exercise common sense with you know exceptional or compassionate leave but a lot of them wouldn't and I think that's really important. Um, also, I'm, when you work in a very big organisation, sometimes you kind of can't make some of those discretions. Yeah, they, yeah. Because it's yeah, so formal. Exactly. They've gone the other way to Parliament and it, it's also written down yeah. that then they're like, well, we have to just follow the... Yeah, there's absolutely no discretion. Yeah. Exactly. And which is why I think it probably should be done via the law because then yeah. every, everybody's in the same boat. Um, because if you have a premature baby, I mean, you have got enough to worry about, frankly. So you we'll, know, put you the pod, we'll put the petition on the podcast. Yeah. So everybody sign the petition so i'm going to be really boring but brief in that like i've just been banging on about childcare for so long now i'm sure everybody's heard me say this but you know we have to have an ambition for universal free childcare. there's your big infrastructure project forget, <laughs> forget the Wirral bridge yeah, exactly so people can talk about universal basic income or big reforms to the welfare state all they want but 
the thing that would make the biggest difference, I think, to especially people on lower and middle incomes is access to childcare. Because at the moment, you know, you get so many hours free, but the supply of good childcare is really patchy. And we do need a kind of like national project to improve quality and basically open up, up, up access so that when that mum who has been working on a checkout in Asda is thinking about how she's going to go back to work. She just doesn't have to think about how am I going to afford the childcare or how am I going to arrange the childcare? Because at the moment, so many women and some men, but mainly women are held back because they can't really challenge themselves at work. They can't really push for a better job or get promotion or get skills, you know, do a kind of a skills course or improve themselves because their childcare is all built around that job that they can do. So, you know, they'll have parents and all kinds of people helping them and it really constrains people's choices in work. So just a small ask, universal free childcare for Britain. <laughs> I mean, look, I agree entirely. And I think that the, it's not only a, the, the case isn't the right thing to do because in a fair progressive uh, developed nation like ours, that should be the case. But also I'm convinced the economic case adds up as well. I mean, there's many of my constituents, mm. um, you know, women who are young mums or on low incomes who just can't afford to go back to work but really want to, uh, all the way through to mums who are in very senior professional positions um, who either don't want to go back because of the way their childcare fits rather than their day job and they don't get to see their kids um, or, or because actually they can't afford um, childcare when they have multiple kids because it's really, really very expensive. And then they miss out on a few years in their job and with their skills and not contributing to the economy. So I'm pretty sure it would all pay back itself actually mm. in the long run if we had universal childcare. But it's a bit like, it's a bit like their NHS. It's like we can argue about how much it's going to cost and we should do that and we should make sure that we've got enough resources there to make sure it's good quality but it's a fundamental change to the system at the moment as you described Darren at the moment so many people are held back by by what they can't do because of their childcare and other caring responsibilities but often childcare responsibilities that you if from the point of view of the government you fundamentally reshape that service all of a sudden it unlocks so many more people into the labour market and also allows people who are currently doing jobs that are below their potential skill set to mm. really reach up. Um, and then we have the aspect of getting the kids school ready. You know, we know that really good quality childcare uh, before kids go to school can make a massive difference in terms of them being ready to ready to learn and not being behind other kids. Um, so you make a big difference at that end. It's also well. a great job creation thing, evenly across the country. It's a kind of stimulus you can do to the labour yep. market that hits every community evenly. It's not there's no London bias to it. There's no uh, none of that kind of skewing. Exa it exactly, and in fact, it makes us think about rural poverty for like from for one of the first times. You know, we spend all of our time probably thinking about. I mean, for a long time, cities now towns, but actually in areas that are dominated by the rural environment, childcare can be really, really difficult. It's not a big job to fix it in comparison to providing childcare for a, for a highly populated city. But we never think about it because these issues are just off the table. Whereas, you know, if you've got to do something for the whole country, then, you know, if you're thinking about a universal service, then you have to think about it everywhere. And it really helps with the gender politics of parenting point as well. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, Alison's right, it's mainly mums actually that take mm -hmm. the hit on parenting. And providing universal um, childcare would then help to solve that problem. And in terms of kind of reforms to laws, I mean, I'd also say it's actually about enforcement or strengthening of current laws. So, you know, 
taking the kind of dad approach i know there's lots of dads who apply for kind of shared paternity leave through work as their right to apply for it but for whatever reason they don't get it or the culture is well actually you know you shouldn't shouldn't be doing that and the same with flexible working um requests as well where employers can reject them uh, with with little explanation uh, we, we should be strengthening the laws that already exist as well as um as well as bringing in new ones I'm afraid we're going to have to leave that conversation there, but do stick with us because we've got the political pub quiz coming up next. Each week, Connor asks a political pub quiz question, which is then answered on Friday's Extra Show. So my question this week is, when Harriet Harman returned to work after having her first child, she was reported to the Sergeant of Arms of Parliament, accused of smuggling a baby into the voting lobby, under her jacket. What did she say had actually happened? Goodness me. Send your answers to at Connor Pope on Twitter or email office at progressonline.org.uk and you could win a Progress mug when the answer is announced on Friday morning. We need to wrap up now, but we've been delighted to have Darren Jones joining us today. Do send in your questions and comments through Twitter, email or best of all, as an iTunes review and me and Richard will respond to them on Friday's show with the best iTunes comment winning a prize. And don't forget to subscribe and rate you've been listening to the progressive britain podcast the music was when in the west by blue dot sessions licensed under creative commons and many thanks to the brilliant caroline crampton who produced this podcast